Good evening, it's 8.30, and this is Quietly Yours. The Dead, The Walking Dead, Dead Snow, The Dead. Zombie movies are as varied as they are movies, and tonight we're throwing our hat into the ring and trying our hand at the genre in a grisly tale that we call Ghoul Song. Enjoy. <gasps> Jacob? Sorry, sorry, I... What are you doing? I thought I saw... Well, I did see... One of them. Outside. Not inside the fence. No, no. It was outside the fence. I saw it... Just barely. Standing in the darkness. Just standing there. And its eyes were sort of... Glowing dimly in the darkness. Well, I was curious... I wanted to know what it looked like. Oh, Jacob. I know, I know. But it's like a car crash, isn't it? I just wanted to get a proper look. So I... I grabbed the light and I shone it out the window. And then... What? Well, the light caught them. And there were dozens of them. Eyes. Dozens of eyes staring back at me. It's been 86 days since we came here. HM Full Sutton, former home to 600 inmates, now prison, sorry, now home to me, Jacob, and 500 other poor souls. I'm not saying I'd rather be out there or anything, definitely not, but it's not, I don't know. You don't expect to be living like this when you've done nothing wrong. But I suppose no one would ever suspect that any of this would happen. Supplies are short. At least that's what they tell us. Even the small stuff. Things you'd never expect to be rationed. Like paper. That's a giant pain. I'm a writer, you see, and... Well... I I just want to be able to get my thoughts about all of this down on paper. And we don't have computers here. At least not ones that we can use. And I imagine that most of the paper mills have shut down, so here we are. I've managed to get my hands on this recorder. It's better than nothing. At least I can gather my thoughts in some way. God, where do I even begin? Well, my name is Pauline. And then there's my brother, Jacob. And this is our home. H.M. Full Sutton. We've been here for 86 days. I've been keeping count. 
When they first picked us up, it was a relief. We were safe. They came in their lorries and their camouflage and they told us they would take us to a place where the ghouls can't hurt us. So we climbed into the back of the van. There was another woman there with three kids clutched tightly in her arms. It was a big relief to see another person. Another proper person, I mean, not the army. The eldest of her children must have been eight at most. She looked worried and I, and I figured she could use a friendly face as much as I could, so I tried to strike up a bit of conversation, but don't think she spoke any English. There was a series of dried brown bloodstains on the front of her white shirt. We rode in silence for the rest of the journey. When we arrived, it... Well, it wasn't what I was expecting. They told us they were taking us somewhere safe, but this didn't feel safe. They made us feel like we were criminals. We went through processing and our things were taken away for sterilisation and for two days we had to sleep on canvas beds in the canteen until our medical tests were complete. Then we were assigned our rooms. We were lucky, we were already in a pair. Those who had arrived alone were paired up with strangers. I imagine that must make this whole ordeal just that much worse. Days here are predictable. We wake up, we eat breakfast. Then it's straight to work. Most people were assigned manual labour. I think I got lucky. I helped to run the prison library. Jacob's still under 18, so he doesn't have to work, but he has to attend... Well, I don't want to call it school. Tutoring, I suppose. I wonder what the point is sometimes. Will there even be jobs when the children get older? You have to be optimistic, I suppose. Then after that, it's lunch. Then more work, or school, or whatever. And, and finally, in the evening, we have some time to ourselves. Until 10pm, that is, and then lights out. That part's non-negotiable. They can't afford tired workers, they say. Every penny counts now more than ever, they say. And I think to myself, who cares about the pennies now? We don't work for money, we work for survival. But it doesn't really matter when the lights go off. Doesn't mean you're able to sleep. It's a struggle most nights. I think about the people who the military didn't reach. Who weren't rescued. I think about other countries. Is it happening there too? How bad is it? How do they cope, especially if they don't have the resources that we do? Uh, I think about this place, HM Full Sutton. I'm glad we're here. I'm, I'm glad we're safe. But what about the prisoners? They never tell you what happened to the prisoners. That's strange. There's no meat. I know. Do you think we're running out or anything? Maybe it's been rationed more heavily. Paul? It's no big deal. We're just not going to be having meat with lunch for a while. Why? What's happened? Oh, one of the cows got sick. At least they think it did. Look, they're not going to be giving us meat for a while now. It's just a precaution. 
What about the other cows, though? They don't know if they're safe. They might be. Oh, it's not worth the risk, though, is it? So we're just stuck here eating mush until the cows get better. Seems like a bit of a crappy deal to me. How long do you think before they get better? Oh. We ran into Julian about a week after we got here. We'd known each other a little in school, but we hadn't seen each other since then. Turns out he didn't do too well in his exams. Burned through a few different jobs, then joined the army when he was feeling particularly lost. So we ended up here. He's a guard now. Tries to keep me up to date with everything that's going on in the prison. As much as he can get away with it, at least. The higher-ups here won't tell us a thing. They keep us in the dark as much as possible. Like with the food. All they'll tell us is there's an infection among the livestock and they don't want to put our lives at risk. They hide most of the facts. Thank God we've got Julian. He says a ghoul broke through the fence, got into the compound, started eating one of the cows before the guards got a good shot. The cow died. They burned it to be sure and the decision was made to execute the whole herd. It's not worth the risk, I suppose. After all, we still don't really know how this thing spreads. I won't tell Jacob, of course. I know I complain about the military hiding the truth, but I suppose I can see why they do it. They don't want to worry us. That's how I feel now. <sighs> how could I tell him that one of those things got in? I can't. I, I just can't. Paul, are you awake? Yeah, why? They're doing it again. I know, you You just have to try and ignore it, alright? You don't... What? Well, you don't think they can get in, do you? No. No, they can't get in. They call it Ghoul Song? Or at least we do. I, I don't know if it has a proper name. They gave us a big presentation when it started to try and explain everything. There'd been a lot of tension, you see, because no one really knew anything. No one knew what was going on, no one knew what those things were. And they just kept it that way. I guess they thought it was better if we didn't know, but then... The ghoul song started and it became pretty clear that people here just weren't going to put up with that anymore. It was time for answers. And so... They gave them. They're dead. Actually dead. They stand and they move around, but they're dead. Physiologically. But for reasons that aren't yet known, they have... a completely insatiable hunger for flesh. They can't digest it, of course. Their bodies just aren't capable of functions like that anymore. By all accounts, if a ghoul is given all of the... all of the food that they can eat, then, then they will. They'll eat and eat and... and they won't stop until their stomachs expand and rupture and their flesh breaks open and... and their guts spill out... And then, if they can still move, 
they'll continue eating. It doesn't happen in the wild, though. Wild animals are far too fast for them, far too smart for them. The only thing that's really a match for their human bodies is... our human bodies. But they're unintelligent, at least as far as we're aware, and and they're slow and they're clumsy, so they're possible to run from and to hide from. And that's the key to survival. You have to avoid them because their strength is almost unfathomable. But I don't think it's that they're any stronger, though. After all, they're just using the same muscles they had when they were alive. I think it's just pure desperation. I try to imagine myself if I were that hungry, if I were starving... Would I be that strong? Could I rip a creature to pieces with my hands if my life truly depended on it? I think that's why they seem so unstoppable. Because a truly desperate person is. But like I said, they're slow, thank God. The people studying them haven't pinned down why it happens yet, but, but we do know that there's some kind of problem with their nervous system. Moving around isn't a problem, nor is taking down their prey, but the fine motor movements are out of the question, which makes any kind of run near impossible. And, and they can't use tools, thank God for that. Also means they can't talk. Their tongue just sort of rolls around in their mouth and, and nothing but a moan comes out. That's good, because if they can't talk, they can't communicate, and if they can't communicate, then they can't work together, and they can't get stronger. They can't hunt in groups. At least. That's what we thought. No speech, no communication. But then one day, they started to sing. We don't know how it works, but it's one of the most bizarre and viscerally chilling things I've ever heard. It starts with one. Somewhere out there. Somewhere beyond the fence of the prison. Groaning loudly into the night. And then there'll be a second. Maybe even a third or a fourth. All of these ghouls just letting out these horrible, monstrous groans and... And then, all of a sudden, they harmonise, and they sing, and, and it's like, it's like they understand each other. And that terrifies me. If they can communicate, if they can work together, then how do we ever stop them? What's happening? I don't know. Maybe it's a drill or something? If it's a drill, what are they shooting at? You said nothing could get in. You don't really believe that, do you? Paul? One got in. What? Yesterday, 
one got in. That's what happened to the animals. That's why meat was taken off the menu. You lied. I didn't want you to worry. I, I didn't want you lying awake, worried that we might be in danger. And are we? No, no. I don't think so. L- look, even if one of those things gets in, the guards will take it out before it hurts anyone, okay? And what if there's more than one of them? Because that's a lot of gunshots. I trust the people looking after us, all right? They're in charge for a reason. I trust them to take care of us. Mum was amazing. She raised us by herself and she never complained, no matter how hard it got. She worked constantly to provide for us, but still, she would always make time for us. We'd always have piles of presents on Christmas morning, and I didn't realise until I got older how much that must have taken from her. How much she must have worked, how much she must have gone without, just so that we could have whatever toys we wanted. But her weakness was shoes. That was the one luxury she would allow herself. She'd recently bought herself a bright red pair of eels, and when she brought them home, I told her, they look expensive. She said that after 11 hours of labour, she deserved it. Fair enough. Those shoes are... burned into my memory. They were the first things I saw. I'd only been at the shop 15 minutes. That's how quick this whole thing happened. I got home and from the hall I could see those shoes in the living room poking out from behind the door. I wondered why she was lying on the floor. So I moved closer and then I saw the blood. A huge puddle of it spread across the cream carpet, deep red and sopping wet and him crouched on the ground leaning over her tearing at her flesh and and shoving pieces of my mother into his mouth she'd been completely emptied out her torso was torn open and, and she was hollow I don't know how long he'd been there. I screamed, I think. It's hard to remember. Whatever came out of my mouth, it got his attention, and as soon as his eyes fell on me, he lost interest in my mother entirely. He shot towards me with such phenomenal speed, and I went into panic mode, like my body started moving before I'd even thought about it. Before I knew it, I was in the bathroom with the door locked, crying on the floor, and he was banging on the door, throwing himself at it. And it sounded like it would cave in any second. But it didn't. He kept that up for half an hour before he finally stopped and went silent. And then I waited another half an hour before I dared to leave the room. He'd gone. 
I didn't know where, still don't. I found Jacob in his bedroom, completely distraught. He said he'd heard the man break in and he'd heard a mother scream. And he froze entirely and just waited for it all to stop. He's been beating himself up about that ever since. I keep telling him it's not his fault. He couldn't have done anything. I tell him I'm glad he froze. He would be dead too if he'd tried to do anything. None of it works, though. He doesn't listen. I suppose you can't blame him. That was 90 days ago now. And here we are. An entirely new life. A totally different life. A life that is so crazy, so unstable, that it's hard to imagine if we'll even be here in another 90 days' time. There's so much uncertainty to life now. It's like there's a million questions. The kind of questions that keep me up at night. Why did this happen? How did it happen? Why did it start? Can it be stopped? Can they be stopped? But there's one question which seems to keep me awake more than the others. One that haunts me day and night. What are they singing about? If you enjoyed tonight's episode and want to share your thoughts, you can contact us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr. Our handle everywhere is Quietly Podcast. If you hated tonight's episode and want to send us a vicious stream of vitriol, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr. Our handle everywhere is Quietly Podcast. You can also get in touch via email. It's quietlyyours at daffodillies.co.uk. And you'll find anything else you might need on our website, daffodillies.co.uk slash quietly yours. We need to take a moment now to remember Leanne from Nottingham, who died this week at 27, having forgotten to remove her tea bag from her morning cup of tea. With no one around for help, Leanne struggled for breath, coughed up loose tea leaves that formed on the floor the shape of the gallows, and collapsed, passing away peacefully on the kitchen floor. If you want to hear your own absurd on-air obituary, you can head over to patreon.com slash quietlyyours. Patreon allows you to support the show by pledging as little as a dollar a month, and every patron receives an obituary. There's also some other bonuses like behind-the-scenes content, so head over to patreon.com slash quietlyyours to see what you're missing. If you can't afford to help out financially, that's fine. You can always help the show by sharing it, whether it's a friendly recommendation a shout-out on Twitter, or a threatening letter spelled out in cut-up magazine headlines and hand-delivered as a gentle reminder that you know where they live. Well, with that out of the way, that's all for tonight. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go climb into my hyperbaric oxygen chamber to build up my strength for the next episode. Until then, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.